Good morning, church. Uh, I'm blessed to be here this morning. Uh, it's always a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, it's a great responsibility to stand before the people of God, to talk about God. Hallelujah. But I hope God has put something in my heart we're going to share together. Let's pray. Lord, we, we are grateful to be in your presence. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the blood that made possible uh, our presence in this place, to see different faces, people from different origin, culture, different corner of life that we have called together to serve you in your church. We pray as we show the word of God, we will be humbled and we let your spirit speak to your people. We pray that you will mend our heart and you will show us your way through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you, you have your Bible with me, can you open together? Would you mind to stand up, we'll read together. Our reading comes from uh, Book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, from 13 to 20. I'm reading in English, of course. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And still others say, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of head will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciple not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our theme today is, I will build my church. Is the word we take from the master, our Lord Jesus himself. In these three uh, synoptic gospel, Peter's confession comes as a climax and as a transition point in the ministry of Jesus. As you know, Jesus began his ministry in Galilee. Then he withdrew with his disciples toward the north before he moved to Judea for more opportunities of ministry. And then he will finish his life in Jerusalem. But the confession of Matthew, 
the, the, uh, the confession of, Ma, uh, of Peter is one of the very important moments uh, that all the three synoptic gospels have highlighted. Matthew described Jesus Christ uh, as Messiah throughout the book of uh, Matthew, as you, will, uh, you can see. But what is particular in this text is the word church or ecclesia is used just twice in Gospels and only in the book of Matthew. And you will see why. And Matthew describes, uh, Evangelist Matthew described the Synoptic Gospel, described uh, the Jesus followers as a very distinct group, and he described them as a church of God. So the theme of church is very important for uh, Matthew. But my problem this morning, I'm going to point out two elements in the story we just read. The first one, I'm going to talk about identity of the Messiah. And the second one, I'm going to focus on uh, building the church, the statement that Jesus made, which is a very important statement not only in the book of Matthew, but throughout the New Testament. Because we'll see that the coming of Jesus culminated in building the church where all of us as Christians, we come together to continue the mission he has started as he came in. And the third element, of course, we'll see some application uh, uh, deriving from this text. This text will just start with very important question. Jesus moving from Galilee toward uh, Caesarea the Philip, the Bible says, he turned around and asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus wanted to know what people say about him. And of course, as you see, the disciple reported what people have said. Some said, you are one of the prophets who come back to life. Others say, of course, you. Some say you are Elijah. I guess because Elijah brought uh, a child back to life and gave him to his mother. And we see in the story in the gospel, Jesus did the same. You remember in the book of Luke chapter 7, 12 to 13, Jesus, you know, brought this child, this son, who was dead, resurrected him and give, gave him back to his mother. So that when people seeing these similarities, they concluded certainly Jesus was one of was Elijah. Others say maybe John the Baptist. As you know, John the Baptist preached the gospel with boldness and authority. And in the gospel, we have seen Jesus, how he preached the gospel with boldness and authority. 
And people could say, yes, maybe is John the Baptist. So it's obvious that all these answers were not adequate. Amen? They were not adequate because they do not describe who Jesus was. The true identity of Jesus was still hidden from the mass population, from the people. People didn't know who Jesus was. People didn't know his identity. People were in denial. They didn't know who Jesus was. And because they didn't know the identity of Jesus as the Messiah, they couldn't worship him. They couldn't serve him. Because how can you serve someone you don't know? That was the question. As long as, we, as long as the world will not have the revelation of Jesus Christ, they will still in the darkness. And they will not experience the love that Jesus has come to share with us. They will not experience the salvation Jesus has come to share. Jesus came as a man, but in him, the Bible says, the fullness of God. We're dwelling in. So, but many people couldn't see it. What makes the difference between the disciples and the rest of the people is the revelation that the disciples received of who Jesus was. And the rest of people, because they didn't receive the revelation, they couldn't serve him and follow him. So the question is, why are we here this morning? Why are we here sitting and listening to, to the preaching? Why are we here worshiping the Lord and singing? I think the answer is because we have the revelation. Because we know who Jesus is for us. That revelation leads us to have our eyes open and to see how God is and allows us to relate to him in a level he wants us to relate to him. As long as that revelation is not given to us, we cannot cross the, band, the line between those who don't worship the Lord and those who are in Christ. So there is a need for the revelation of Jesus, not only for us, but for the world. So the world is in darkness because they do not receive the revelation. They haven't captured, understand that revelation so that they can respond with joy and with faith. And it was very important for Jesus to ask the question. The revelation is very, very important, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as you will see, after asking them, ask his disciple, who Jesus was, all people say he was, now Jesus turned to his disciple. He turned to them. He said, but you, what do you say the son of man is? But you, what do you say the son of man is? And we see Peter, answer is unequivocal. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
You are the cross, the son of the living God. And the reaction of Jesus is clear. Blessed are you, John, uh, Peter, son of Jonah. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed means you're happy, you're favored, you're fortunate to know, to have the revelation. Hallelujah. Fortunate to have the revelation. When you have the revelation, you become a different man. You become a different man. You are favored because you live from darkness into light. Now you are back to God. You can relate with him. We cannot relate to God if our eyes are not open. When I mean eyes, I mean spiritual eyes. Be open to see Jesus the way he is. That's why Jesus said, you're happy. You are happy. You are blessed. You are favored. You are fortunate. Hallelujah. We are favored. We are fortunate because we know the Lord. Because our eyes are open. We can relate with him. Hallelujah. You cannot relate with me if you don't know me. You can relate with me in a deeper way if you know who I am. If you cross that boundary of what everybody knows not, and what very few know. And we who, we who are here, we know the Lord through the revelation. We cross that boundary. Our eyes are open. We can see the beauty of the gospel. We can see the love of Jesus. We can experience that. Hallelujah. And this changes us. This makes us fortunate, makes us happy. Happy, different, not because of kind of material we received, but because of the new position we have. We are in light, we can see Jesus the way it is. That's why disciples were following Jesus wherever he went, because disciples, their eyes are open. They know now who Jesus is, is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He has come for us. Hallelujah. He is the Messiah. And that is the difference. Let me tell you, the greatest revelation of your life is knowing Jesus as the Messiah. He is the greatest revelation. He is the greater discovery of your life. Knowing Jesus as your Savior. And this discovery leads to your greatest self Discovery. Say amen. amen. Because when we discover who the Messiah is, we start a journey of discovering ourselves. Because our true identity, our true identity is hidden. Hallelujah. Our true identity is hidden. It's not what the world is telling us. It's not what the circumstances of life are imposing on us. Our true identity is hidden in God. He is the creator. He is the maker. He is the one who made us. 
we can understand who we are only through him. Hallelujah. We can understand who we are through his lenses. The lenses of creation. Hallelujah. We are not randomly created. We were not randomly created. We are not the production of evolution. But we were created. And when we discover the one who made us, we start discovering ourselves. That's why discovering Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is the greatest discovery of your life. That will not leave you the same. That will change you. Because now you are going back to the one who made you. Hallelujah. We are not always what the world is telling us. God, the creator, knows who we are. Hallelujah. And through him we can know who we are really. So because of sin, we were invited out of the blessings, out of Garden of Eden. You know the story of Adam and Eve, our, first, our ancestors who left the Garden of Eden because of sin. That was the beginning of the separation between us and God. We were led astray. Now Jesus as the Messiah has come, hallelujah, has come to bring us back to our Lord, to bring us back to our God so that we really understand the purpose of our life. Jesus Christ is the Oti Messiah, the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Promised long time ago. He has come. He has come to do what? He has come to repair what we did in the Garden of Eden. He has come to fix the relationship that was broken years, years ago. Hallelujah. He has come to fix us, his church. To fix us, the people of God who led astray. He is the Messiah. That's why it's very important. Discovering is the, mess, the Messiah is the beginning of the church. Is the beginning of the church. And when we discover who he is, we enter into relationship with him. Really, the preamble to a deeper relationship with someone is to know who that person is. It is to know his real identity as we oppose to what appear to be. Discovering Christ is open new opportunity to build and to grow relationship with him. Hallelujah. Do you grow that relationship with him? Do you continue growing as you know him? As your eyes are open and you can understand who Jesus is. Jesus said... To Peter, that revelation doesn't come by flesh and blood. It is, a re, it is not a result of personal effort and passion. Nobody can know God by himself. It's impossible. Because of our fallen, our fallen nature, we cannot, by our own effort to know God, we cannot to know who God is. We can have perception of God. We can have some understanding of God, 
by the true knowledge that lead to saving salvation. That's lead, uh, uh, the true saving knowledge, I, I wanted to say. When we capture it, it changed us. It led us to build a relationship with him. And that knowledge comes only through God. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, it is only by the Spirit of God. It is not by our own efforts. It is when Holy Spirit open your mind and your heart to understand what, what Jesus is. It is not always easy. You can read about uh, the death of Christ. You read about, the, uh, read about how he was killed, how he was crucified. But if the Spirit of God doesn't open your mind, that'll be a different story. Hallelujah. You cannot connect what's happened to what's happened in heaven. Hallelujah. You cannot connect it if you don't have the Spirit of God. So our prayer is God will open the hearts of the people around us and in the world so that they too can experience that love. So after Jesus responding to Peter about the revelation, I like what he said. On this rock, he said, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. Hallelujah. On this rock, I will build my church. I know there is a debate about the meaning of uh, rock, the meaning of, is it Peter Jesus was referring? Or is it the church himself who is the rock? Or is it both? I will not enter into that debate. But let me just say this. On this rock, I will build my church. I see more than what people are saying. It's, there is a profound truth. A profound truth we can see here. But the first thing let me say. The statement Jesus saying, I will build my church, is a very strong statement. Jesus is making a strong statement to say, church is never been people's initiative. It is God. It is God who planned to build his church. Church is not our creation. It's not our imagination. It's the will of God. God planned. God executed. God is the one who's building the church. He is the builder. Hallelujah. That's why we don't need to carry the burden of churches on us. We don't need to lose that burden, crush on us, if it is too much for us to bear. We need to remember, he's the one who's building his church. We are not. Hallelujah. We are not building the church. He's the one who's building the church. Because he made it clear, I will build my church. Hallelujah. I will build my church. He's the one who's building. I'm just saying to someone who feels tired about serving the Lord, 
you know, like me, you know, many leaders, church leaders and pastors are dropping out of uh, ministries. They are tired to serve. They are depressed. They are, there is so much to bear. It's so demanding to serve the Lord. It's so demanding to answer the call. But let me remind you, it's his church. It's not ours. It's time for us to turn to him, to say, you are the, building, the builder. You are the one who's building the church. Hallelujah. That's why we need to pray. We need to go to him in prayer and ask that the Lord will come and help. Ask that the Lord will be in charge. Hallelujah. We'll be in charge because it's too much. He's the one who's building the church. And the promise saying, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because he's building it, nothing will prevail against it. The gates of hell is the power of death. The gates of hell is the worst enemy in Jesus' context. But Jesus said, no one, nothing will overcome the church. Nothing will stop what he has started building. Because that is his own plan. And will defend his work. Hallelujah. When we look at the church, maybe the church doesn't look like a glorious church. We see failure. We see sin. We see people struggling. In, in, in America, they, 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 uh, I just read uh, 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 someone. They're saying in America, attendance is going down. Holiness is want, wanting. Love is sacrificial. Discipleship is thin. Seminary are struggling to find a young generation interested in the church ministry. Things are difficult. Church Church, everyday church is dying in this country. In Africa, yes, we are celebrating the growth of the church. We thank God for numeric growth we have experienced. We thank God for change. We thank God for the building of churches. We see churches are growing in, at a rate without precedent in Africa. But at the same time, we have so many challenges. We are asking, uh, 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 wondering ourselves how the church doesn't bring any change. We don't see positive change. Corruption is continue rising. Poverty is continue rising. There is no change in social, political, economic life. But yet we are saying the majority are Christians. Hallelujah. It seems like the church is failing. But let me just remind ourselves, there is hope. Why? Because he's the one who's building the church. He's the one who's building the church. Because he's building the church, there is hope. Hope. Because when you look at the church, he said, I think Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.6, yeah, I'm sure that the one who begins a good work in you will bring it to full completion. We believe Jesus will bring the church to full co completion. Amen. So let me just say something and I conclude. Jesus is the one who's building his church. And he said it clear. He's building his church on the revelation of the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Hallelujah. 
is the Messiah. The church is founding on that revelation because he is the Messiah, is the king. If we know Christ as the king, then the church still strong. Not only knowing Christ as the king, but as we abide in his word, in his unchanged word, then the church can stay stable and stay stable and strong and continue growing. But if we don't abide in his word, the church will be weak. Even though abide in his word and we allow the world to influence the church, then the church will not be able to accomplish what the Lord is calling it to accomplish. In conclusion, the metaphor of the church, of Christ building the church, can be constructed with more other images in Scripture. Romans 15, 20 said, the Apostle Paul described himself as the builder laying the foundation and point out that the foundation is Christ. Jesus himself cautioned his disciples to be careful the way they build and they should be on a solid foundation. Oh, Jesus Christ himself. But in Matthew 16, 13 to 16, Jesus' view of building his church is different. He said, he speaks of us as building blocks. Himself as the builder. I will build my church, he said. He started building when he was here on earth. And he will certainly bring it to the full completion. Even if the church doesn't look glorious. But when he, fish, he finishes his building project, he will present his church to the Father, which is radiant, without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Let's put our, uh, close our eyes and pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We pray that you will continue sustaining us as we come to you, Lord that your church will continue growing stronger and stronger. And no plans of the enemy will stop your church and the plan you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.